We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for being here. Happy holidays. This episode, of course, is brought to you by Prize Picks. More on that later. Today, we're going to talk about the 49ers ass kicking of the Philadelphia Eagles to the tune of 42 to 19. And even then, wasn't that close. I mean, damn. It was an ass kicking. You know, it was it was a, a, a absolute domination. I mean, when's the last time? And you guys know that when I break down games, I always end up talking about possessions at some point. You know how they went throughout the game because it kind of speaks to the flow of the game and how things were going for a team and whether or not they were always in sync, stuff like that. Here are the 49ers' possessions for their win against the Eagles. Punt, punt. That's the end of the first quarter. And then for the next three quarters, it was touchdown, 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 touchdown. Then the game's over. Absolute domination. And again, not from start to finish. We can't say it from start to finish because it wasn't from start to finish. The 49ers started out a little shaky, at least on offense. Um, But it was an absolute dominating performance from the 49ers. And the first thing that came through my head after seeing this game, and I mentioned it to my wife after the game, was now we know why the 49ers were so upset after last year's NFC Championship game. This is not the same Eagles team. This is not the same 49ers team. It's not a perfect apples-to-apples comparison. Maybe it's like two different types of apples, like a Fuji and a Granny Smith or something. But it's you can see and you can almost feel why those 49ers players were so heartbroken. And obviously you always try to, you try to lose with class. You obviously want to win with class. You want to lose with class in sports. It's just what I've always believed, but 
you can see why now they were such sore losers after that NFC championship game, because again, these are not, these aren't two carbon copies of the squads they were last year, but the 49ers believed that they were going to do what they did today to the Eagles last season in the NFC championship game. I think I said last year earlier, technically it was this year. Seems like forever ago, but you can you could feel for them now. Like this is the things that Brandon Ayuk said, the things that Debo Samuel said, the things that Christian McCaffrey said, the things that were said. And and again, you can take it as being sore losers all you want, but the fact is, is they're human beings and they're going to express the emotions that are buried down in there eventually. And now you can see why they're so upset because they truly they probably believed that they were going to beat the Eagles last year in the NFC Championship, forty-two to nineteen. And maybe that's not the final score. Maybe it's not even that big of an ass whooping. But the 49ers, you can tell just by the way this game unfolded, that they believed they were going to do this last year. And you can kind of feel for the squad, you know, knowing that. You put in so much work and you fight through so much adversity and you put your body through so much hell to get to that point and to get so close and have it all taken away from you by a freak injury in the middle of a game. It sucks, and and now you understand why. And and again, this is the Eagles squad. You guys have heard me sing their praises throughout the week. They're an absolutely fantastic football team. At no point, maybe not until kind of the latter part of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, did I think the Eagles were out of this. But it, it was just an interesting experience to see the 49ers play this game and to see how they went about their business and see how they behaved after every time they touched the ball. Uh, you can tell this was personal to them, and they wanted to prove to the NFL world that they could have done this last year, but they didn't. And I'm not really here to absolve the 49ers of any blame. Uh, you know, you miss a block against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL on a deep drop for a quarterback and give him a free shot to uh, Brock Purdy, who's in the middle of throwing, and shit's going to happen. That is what it is. No excuses. The 49ers allowed that play to happen, and they allowed their quarterback to get hurt. But now you can see why every other player on that team that was hoping to be catching passes passes from Brock Purdy throughout the NFC Championship game was so heartbroken because you can tell that Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel do not believe Darius Slay and James Bradbury have anything to offer them. They don't respect them. They don't believe that they're capable of covering them. And in many ways throughout today, you saw that that was the case. And it was just frustrating for those two to have to, uh, to have to lose the way they did last year. And you could tell the way they came in this year that it was just a little bit personal. A little bit personal. And now you know why the 49ers were just so sore after the end of last year. And, and have they made up for it completely? No. They've got to continue to win games. They've got to work their way into the postseason. And they've got to get it done in a way they know they need to now especially after they backed themselves into their typical we've got to win every game from here on out type of corner. But we'll get to that later. Before we get any more into the game, so we always start with injuries. Uh, Eric Armstead left the game with a foot injury. I'm assuming it was the same foot injury that kept him out throughout practice. Uh, he was at the podium after the game speaking with media, so I don't necessarily think the injury is serious. Uh, he might have just been taken out of the game, um, knowing that he was already playing sort of injured. Uh, I'm assuming we'll hear more in Kyle Shanahan's press conference call to, uh, tomorrow. Ross Dwelly, tight end, also left the game with, uh, with an ankle injury. And that's it. 
what impressed me most about the 49ers, and it was something that I was most the most critical of them coming into this game, was that they hadn't proven to be the type of team that can go punch to punch with a heavyweight and win the, those dirty games. And what's funny is, and I said, yeah, we've seen that they can win these blowouts, but what happens when they truly have to go punch for punch? And for a while in this game, we'll say the first half, the 49ers were going punch for punch. The Eagles got out to a 6-0 lead, and thankfully um, the 49ers have an elite defense that held the Eagles to two consecutive field goals in the red zone. And that could have the game very well could have been 14 to zero to start. And then you're really looking at a deficit that the 49ers can't overcome until that touchdown before half. So it was a, it was an interesting game from the start. The offense looked overmatched. They looked like they were letting pressure through at a pretty consistent rate. Purdy didn't look like he even had a chance to be comfortable. I believe he started the game. Oh, and four, they just looked, you know, Chris McCaffrey, I think in those two drives, didn't get any touches or maybe he did in the second drive. But it just looked like they were so uncomfortable and things looked like they were going to get out of hand quickly. And uh, eventually on that third drive, they found a rhythm and the rest was history. We know how every drive ended after that point. But it was good to see the 49ers take on a team that we know has the the guts, you know, the brawn, the grit. You know, the Eagles are a tough, tough team that thrive in these back and forth games that have no problem answering on a two-minute drive, especially with the way Jalen Hurts plays football and how he can turn any play into a big game, even if nobody's open. So I was impressed that the 49ers were able to go uh, and get in a scrap with a team. And what, what I was going to say earlier is that it's funny because they took a team like the Eagles that know how to win games, that know how to get in these matchups and come out on top, and they just made it impossible for the Eagles to win. The way the defense was playing and the way the offense just kept scoring over and over and over, they made it impossible for the Eagles to find a way to claw their way back in because every time they would get points, every time they would have some shred of daylight just based on the score being for a brief moment a one-possession game, the 49ers would just put it away. And the defense would just tighten down just a little bit and make it that much more difficult. And um, so I think the 49ers proved to me and probably to a lot of people uh, that they that they are capable of not only going punch to punch with an elite team, but making the elite team look like they were, you know, barely even breaking a sweat out there, which is is the way it looked for the 49ers. We'll start with the offense. We've kind of already been talking talking about the offense. There's no way that you can't start the offensive conversation without talking about Debo Samuel. Uh, he only had four catches, but they were for 116 yards and two touchdowns. His, his, his longest was 48, where he broke a tackle and immediately just turned up the field and kicked it up to 100 and broke right through the middle of the defense. Uh, he also had three carries for 22 yards and a score. Debo Samuel counted for three touchdowns. Nick Bosa said after the game, you know what, let me get my Twitter up because I have the quotes on here. Um, here we go. Uh, Nick Bosa said after the game, I love the fact he's talking about Debo Samuel. I love the fact that he can talk, set the stage, walk into a hostile environment and just thrive. That's what greatness is made of. Uh, Fred, Fred Warner said a little bit earlier, Debo is one of the best football players I've ever seen. Performances like that don't surprise me. People were saying things about what he said before the game, but it's safe to say his actions spoke louder than his words. Debo Samuel went in there and put in an, put on an absolute clinic. It was an, a vintage Debo Samuel game in what was 
what felt like playoff and atmosphere. And we know that Debo Samuel by now thrives in those types of environments. He even wanted kickoff return duties. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod was out with a rib injury and uh, Debo Samuel went back there to, and, and took kick the kickoff. And you can tell that it was personal for Debo Samuel because he returned the first kick from like six yards deep in the end zone and was like, no bitch, I'm coming out. And he got all the way to like the 27 yard line. So you know, that was like a 33-yard return if you include the yards coming out of the end zone. And later on, I believe it was in the second half, he almost almost took one to the house. Um, if he would have high-stepped just a little bit and broken that little shoestring tackle, he it would have either been a big game or it was going to the house. So uh, you can tell that Debo Samuel know, knew what he said before the game, and he was perfectly willing to back it up. Matt Mayoko asked Debo Samuel, <laughs> he started a question with, with all the uh, with all the talk leading up to this game, and Debo Samuel just in the middle of Matt Mayoko's questions, just started laughing. Debo, after all the talk, and he just starts laughing, <laughs> like he knew exactly what he uh, what he started, and he knew exactly what he finished. There is a graphic on Twitter made by Bleacher Report that I uh, quote tweeted on my timeline. It's like the most recent thing on my tweet- Twitter. Just absolutely cold. I mean, there's fire in the picture, but. It's Debo standing in in this like ring of fire at the pylon, and there's just eagles laying around behind him, and it, it's just a cold, cold picture. Very cool, very cool. So I mean, it was really cool to see Debo just put his money where his mouth is and go out there and, and do what he had to do. And he ended up saying to the press conference, he's like, you know, it's football. You talk. It's nothing personal. It's just the, the way we play the game, and he put it on the line. And just like Hassan Hassan Reddick said before the game, like, hey, after all that boo-hooing, now we get a chance to go up there, line up, and and, and line that shit up. And the 49ers and Debo Samuel went out there and lined that shit up. Um, The offense did its textbook lapping. We'll get into that a little bit. But I, I have a question for the NFL world out there. Are there any more goalposts that need to be adjusted now that Brock Purdy absolutely lit up the Eagles defense. I don't care about the yards after the catch that Debo got. Purdy currently leads the NFL in air yards per attempt, meaning he's not just relying on Debo. That was a Debo game. There's no denying that. But Brock Purdy has these statistics to back up that he is not just a dunk quarterback. He's not a game manager. I, I just would like to know if there's anything else you need this guy to do. To prove to you that he's, uh, at, at the very least, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, he's worthy of MVP consideration this year, especially considering where you came from. How many times have we gotten to talk about the last overall pick in the draft being an an, an MVP favorite to not barely a full season into his career? The 49ers were, got behind the sticks you know, with some penalties and stuff like that to start the game. Purdy started out 0-4, and then from that point on, he finished the game 19 of 23. What is that, like 85%? Absolutely dominated from that point forward. He finished 19 of 27, which is 70%, for 314 yards. That's 11.6 yards per attempt. Four touchdowns and zero interceptions with a nearly perfect 148.8 rating. Jalen Hurts, somebody who is currently ahead of Purdy in the MVP runnings, went 26 of 45, 57%, 298 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions for an 85.2 rating. 
you had so many different moments throughout this game. That third and two over the shoulder pass to McCaffrey down the field for like 30 yards. You had a third and seven to Brandon Ayuk in the, on the, from the far hash that he just dropped it right in a bucket. Just an absolutely perfect throw. Multiple third down plays. The dude was scrambling, getting out of the pocket, lowering his shoulder into corners and, 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 and continuing to run. It really was a, 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 not a career-defining performance because I don't want to say that, but so far you can say that. You know, in, in Purdy's career so far, for him to go back into that stadium, I said it in the pod before the game, if Purdy's going to go into that stadium against that team where he suffered that injury and absolutely dominate and make Jalen Hurts look like somebody who should maybe they should flop spots in the MVP front running, then that is a career-defining moment for him so far. A top Purdy moment, if you will. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's an MVP frontrunner competing for MVP against his own team, his own teammate, which obviously is Christian McCaffrey, who had 17 carries for 93 yards. That five, that's 5.5 yards a pop. He also scored again, and he also had three catches for 40 yards. He's over 1,000 yards um, on the ground. I have it right here. Let me give you the official math because it usually takes them a while to like actually apply it. Right now, Purdy is at 1,000 and about 1,020 yards with 12 touchdowns. He's averaging over five yards per carry. Five yards per carry. Five yards per carry. That means you hand the ball on average to Christian McCaffrey two times and you have a first down. He was his same old self against the Eagles, picking up yards that you just didn't think were there, making guys miss in a phone booth. And uh, it, it really was impressive. And to me, Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey should be in the top five for MVP odds. They're just that good. And it would be cool if a run, if somebody that doesn't play quarterback can finally win most valuable player. But in the quarterback conversation, if you want to know how valuable Brock Purdy is, 
because that's the title, the most valuable player on one of the best teams in the NFL. If you want to know how valuable Purdy is, go back and watch last season's NFC Championship game. That will tell you how valuable Purdy is, not just to the Niners, but to, to the NFL and the fact that when he's not on the field, that was the product we got to watch, which was irreconcilable. <laughs> um, so to me, Brock Purdy should absolutely be an MVP front runner. He came in there and did the damn thing against the Eagles in the same stadium where he got hurt in a stadium that doesn't want to hear his name mentioned ever again, and he put it down. The sample size is now big enough. The sam- there's, there's no more excuses. For Brock Purdy, there's there's no more. Well, he still needs to do this. He still needs to do the, do do that. They no more. No, no, not no more. Right now, Purdy is currently. I'm gonna try and add in his stats from the game just to give you a more accurate picture. Right now, this season, um, Purdy's overall regular season record is 14 and three. You add in the postseason, which they went two and one, so you're at 17 and four, 16 and four. Right now, he's completing 70% of his passes. He's at like 3,100 yards, um, 23 touchdowns, six interceptions. I I believe, you know, I'm thinking this is right. I'm just adding today's numbers to that. In in his second season at the NFL, if Purdy had been drafted top five, he would be probably leading the NFL in MVP odds. But the fact that he's some outlier and he's the last overall pick in the draft, and this must be... There must be something going on. There must be something weird where, well, you got you just got like four or five years of Jimmy Garoppolo in this same offense. You've gotten a few other quarterbacks that was played in this offense. None of them have looked anywhere close to what Purdy looks like. The dude makes a 70% completion game look bad. Like he should be doing better than that somehow. We can raise the bar for Purdy's expectations for here on out because he's him. He is what it is. This is Purdy. He is that good. But if you're going to raise his expectations, you also better raise the bar for the respect that he is due because he is balling. He is good. He is great. And none of this is a fluke anymore. None of it. That doesn't mean that he's not allowed to have bad games. Does that mean there are... And march right down and win the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. But Brock Purdy is in is in elite cornerback conversation. And if you don't think that, you just haven't been watching. Look up the man's statistics, like that back up everything we're seeing on the field. Because it's not just statistics. Watch the fucking games. You can see how he plays. It's just there's so many excuses floating out, around out there that are just bullshit that are just like like these people have this Brock Purdy bullshit excuse sheet and every time something comes up about him they just roll a dice and whichever number it lands on you multiply that number by two and then divide that number by by I don't know three and then whatever number that lands on you add five and that is your Purdy excuse in that moment you just have to keep repeating that equation and see what you get and sometimes that's what the replies feel like I mean, I posted Purdy's stats from the game, and one of the first comments was actually throw no dump-offs for yards after catch. And my reply was, even though I shouldn't reply to dumbasses on Twitter like that, I said, Brock Purdy leads the NFL in air yards per attempt. So 
The dump offs equate. We you can watch the game. The dude's not dumping shit off. Did Debo Samuel take some passes to the house? Yes, absolutely. But we've also seen what it looks like in a 49ers offense that has a quarterback that's incapable of hitting receivers in stride, and you don't get those yards after the catch. So it's not like uh, uh, yards after the catch is not a given. You have to put the ball in the right spot that keeps the receiver moving, so on and so on. So I, I just I don't think I I don't think we need to hear it anymore from uh, from anybody who doesn't believe what Brock Purdy is doing. I know there's that dude from like the Ringer. I can't remember his name. Tells you enough right there. And it's just it, it's not it's just not it doesn't apply anymore. Just it's just not there. Also, before we move on to the defense, George Kittle's a fucking man. You can find him blocking forty yards downfield on one of those Debo Samuel touchdowns where he broke the linebacker's tackle and took off upfield. You can also find him blocking at least two Eagles defenders on the the end around where they left Hassan Reddick wondering what the hell was going on. It's like a top gun. Where'd who go? And um Debo's taken around the end. Since Hassan Rennick was so far beyond the play, Kittle was just able to lead block. And I think he blocked at least two Eagles defenders and just made it to where Debo could run into the side of the end zone. Kittle also had um, four catches for 68 yards. Juwan Jennings, he, he, he had three catches. I think they were all on third down. And he kind of, he, he was what, like the 49ers put two nails in the coffin. The first one was Juwan Jennings catching that five-yard out route um, on third and five in the red zone, tosses his man to the side and, uh, and takes it in for the touchdown. That kind of felt like the dagger. Uh, and then Debo Samuel later catches a tunnel screen for, I don't know, a 48 yard touchdown, something like that. Uh, and then just wave, wave goodbye to the Eagles fans that had already left. Um, it was about, there was about five minutes left in the game and there were no Eagles fans to, uh, to be found there. They were all headed for the exits. Before we get into defense, prize picks, prize picks, prize picks. Uh, we won today. Your your boy, your boy got it done today. I did a four-pick flex play, and three of my four picks hit. Brock Purdy did throw for less than 31.5 pass attempts. He threw for 27. Debo Samuel had 22 rushing yards. Um, he was expect- I, I put him to go over 11.5. And, um, and Kittle did have more than 46 and a half receiving yards. Um, he, like I said, he just hit, I can't remember what I just said, 60 something. The only one I did not get was AJ Brown did not have less than 73 and a half receiving yards. He actually had 114 on H cat on, on, uh, eight catches. Devonta Smith had 96 yards on nine catches. Some of those, not all because AJ Brown was making huge plays in the beginning of the game for the Eagles. Um, some of those were on like the, they're in the fourth quarter and they're just kind of going down the field against a soft defense, but not all of them. There was, there was no denying AJ Brown's impact, especially at the start of that game on third down. But again, did win, uh, did win because I did the flex play. I only needed to hit on three or four of them. If you don't know what prize picks is, it's daily fantasy sports. You get on there, you pick two to six players, whatever you're feeling. You do a power play. You could do a flex play. And you watch the winnings roll in. You're picking more or less for everything. Do you want more rushing yards, less rushing yards, more receiving yards, less? You guys get the point. Um, what I like best about Prime Picks is it's just so easy. It's so fast. Like uh, you just get on there, you punch in a lineup, and you go with it. Could take less than a minute if you wanted it to. It's all very well organized, very easy to find. You just put in the team you're interested in placing a, an entry on, and bam, there you go. Um, it's awesome. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Your boy's staying in it. We're still in it. 
we still got got money in the bank and we're we're staying alive. All right, defense, defense. The defense weathered the storm. They kept the 49ers in this game. They kept they kept morale high. During in the beginning when the offense was between two drives had negative 6 yards, the defense withstood 12 plays for 67 yards and in a field goal. Another 12 plays for 53 yards ended in a field goal, both of which were from the 49ers red zone. And then after that, they really started turning up the heat. You've got a second quarter where the Eagles drives were three plays for eight yards, six plays for 14 yards, and two plays for three yards uh, before the end of the half. Um, the defense was so clutch in that first that first quarter that it, it – it, it just kept things together. It, like I said, it could have very easily been fourteen to zero to start out that game if the 49ers defense doesn't tighten it up and really cinch down that that thing. But the thing we got to start out start about talking about first was uh, Dre Greenlaw had a a, a tackle. Uh, I can't remember who he tackled. Devonta Smith. I th- I think I can't remember. And he kind of uh, suplexed him, which we've seen him do a couple of times out of bounds. It wasn't fully out of bounds. He started the suplex. It looked like pretty close to inbounds, suplexed him out of bounds. The Eagles sideline took offense to that. They got in Debo Samuel's face. And the person that got in Debo Samuel's face first was not a player, was not a coach, but it was like an Eagles sideline security guard, a big dude that immediately got in Debo Samuel's face and tried to break up whatever little scuffle had ensued between uh, Dre Greenlaw. And and like I said, I think it was DeMonta Smith, but I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. Doesn't impact the story. So this random security guard who they call, what's his name? I don't fucking know. Everybody was talking about it. I can go find it real quick. Oh, let me go look. I'll go look. Okay. I'll go look. Because Kyle Shanahan's comments were, let me see, I'm just seeing if anybody used the dude's name in here. All right, anyways, don't care. Everybody's saying it's like a three-letter word. Kyle Shanahan after the, the, okay, so Debo Samuel, or excuse me, Drake Greenlaw in this, and I apologize if I called Drake Greenlaw and Debo earlier. In the back of my mind, I was wondering if I did that. And Dre Greenlaw, in this moment, with this big-ass security guard in his face, he kind of, like, puts his hand down and, like, like touches him in the face. It clearly wasn't a punch. Like, it wasn't tried to, like he tried to rock that dude. But he, like, puts his fan, hand out and touched the dude's face. And then everybody around it acted like it was some huge deal. And he ended up getting ejected. Now, what blows my mind, here's Kyle Shanahan's comments, is, I can't believe someone not involved in a football game can taunt our players like that and put their hands on our guys' face. And Kyle Shanahan did say that he wanted to see the whole thing unfold, you know, on the tape to see exactly what it was. But the part that miffed me was is they ended up ejecting the dude. We'll just call him Mo. I know that's not his name, (laughs) but hold on. Let me just search. I really want to get this dude's game and a name. And I know that you guys are on the other, uh, other end of the speaker, just going, Rob, this is his name. You idiot. Rob, 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 Rob. Uh, Joe, John Lund goes off. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm trying, I'm looking at I'm, Dom. Dom. It was, it was Dom, man. I have a, I have a good friend named Dom. What am I thinking? I can't remember that. Um, so you've got, you've got a full team of, of NFL players standing there in full gear. You've got coaches and this random ass security guard comes up and decides to break up the scuffle and get in Dre Greenlaw's face. 
why are you even there? Why get get the hell away from the game? Why are you on the field? You're not a coach and you're not a player. And the fact that they ejected Dre Greenlaw for an interaction with a with a person that should have never been there in the first place blows my mind. They're going to go back and look at this. And they're going to realize they made the wrong decision. To me, I don't give a shit what Dre Greenlaw does when some dude that shouldn't be there is now there in the player's face. Debo Samuel could have hard, cold cocked him right in the jaw and knocked him out. For all I care, that dude shouldn't be there. How, how are you supposed to know how to react when some random ass dude that's not a coach that's bigger than you, pads or no pads, is in your face? I, I mean, I, why does Dre Greenlaw get ejected for that interaction when that fucking dude shouldn't have been there? I am not, I'm not a homer. I'm, I'm certainly not the type, you guys know this, to make excuse for anybody. But what are you doing there? You're not supposed to be there. So therefore, anything that Dre Greenlaw does in that moment should really have no implications on the game because that dude shouldn't be there in the fucking first place. And and stop. You should not be there. So therefore, anything that happens at that point, obviously, you know, you can't just pull a Miles Garrett and take off his helmet and start swinging it. But that dude shouldn't even be there. And what's crazy is that dude ended up getting ejected too, but there was never any flag thrown on the Eagles sideline. So you've got a guy that shouldn't be there that's out on the field that isn't a coach and isn't a player. No one gets flagged. The 49ers player gets ejected. Like, what the hell is going on? How is that in any way appropriate? Should Dre Greenlaw has put put his hands on that guy? No. Was Dre Greenlaw in danger at the time of doing that? No. You can tell the situation was at a point where he was almost like messing with him. But the situation dictated the results like that guy should have been there. So dumb shit happened. And the fact that they asked that guy to leave, but there was never a side, a flag thrown on the Eagle sideline is, is um, incomprehensible. It's inexcusable. So it's, we, we know Dre Greenlaw. He's the 49ers, you know, Draymond green. He, he plays with his emotions on his sleeves And that team wouldn't like it any other way, wouldn't want it any other way. It's part of what makes him good. It's part of the way he plays. He's not a dirty player. He's just an emotional player. And shit like that's going to happen. And should he have done that? Absolutely not. But to me, the problem with that situation and the ultimate problem, the problem started with some dude that should not have been there was there. Why is there a security guard on the sideline breaking up a fight? Again, you're not a player. You're not a coach. Get the fuck off the field. End, end of story. It, that's it. So anyways, and, and at that point, I made a mistake. I thought, oh shit, okay, this is going to get the Eagles back in this game. They did score right after, thanks to two quarterback sneaks. I'm going to stop calling them the stupid nicknames because it's fucking annoying. Sorry, I'm dropping too many F-bombs. Put the earbuffs on, guys. Have the kids go in the other room, play a little Nintendo Switch. My bad. My bad. If if kids, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uncle Rob is sorry. It's at that point I was like, this is going to get the Eagles back in this game. The fans were standing up and cheering for the Dom dude as he was escorted off the field. But what in reality what happened is the 49ers said, we've had enough. And on the next drive, they punted and the 49ers follow that up with, you know, they followed the Eagles touchdown up, followed the Eagles touchdown with a touchdown of their own. I think that was one of the big plays to Debo Samuel. And then uh, the Eagles punted. Then the 49ers followed that up with another touchdown. The Eagles scored. Then the 49ers followed that up with another touchdown. And the, and the game was over. They never let off the gas. 
and, and, and in a way, I can see why that happened because the 49ers felt like they got screwed. Dre Greenlaw got kicked out of the game because some fucking random dude decided to come onto the field. I did again. I'm sorry. Um, so it, it was interesting. It was an interesting situation that felt like it was handled poorly. Um, it was handled poorly by Dre Greenlaw. It was handled poorly by the Eagles and their sideline staff. And the fact that that security guard had anything to do with anything was handled poorly by the officials. We're moving on. Secondary did just enough. They did just enough. Charvarius Ward made some key plays, um, a couple of which in the end zones, both pass breakups on AJ Brown. You tell the crowd was just crowd was just incensed that somebody else was matching Brown's physicality and he didn't get him. He didn't match it every time on the, on Brown's first big play of the game at the very top of his route. Um, he came up and just gave Charvarius Ward just a massive shove. And I'm surprised that wasn't called, but or I guess I'm not surprised. What am I talking about? So they were both being physical. You can't just expect the refs to throw, throw flags if, if they're going to let them play. And Charvarius Ward did play. He was he was solid. He made some plays. He wasn't perfect, but he made some plays. Ambry Thomas had a pass breakup deep down the sideline. Looked like good coverage. Again, crowd getting all loud. Mad that it was P.I. Looked good to me. Uh, the defense did enough you know, to keep this Eagles offense from ever feeling like they were truly in the game. Uh, they went field goal, field goal, punt, punt. At that time, they were down 14-6 to going into the half. The 49ers came out, immediately scored, made it 21-6. to Then the Eagles responded with their own touchdown. Then they punted. Then they responded again with their own touchdown. And uh, then they were, and that was it, turnover on downs, game's over. 49ers had the ball to end the game. And they just couldn't keep pace with the 49ers. The 49ers defense was just too good, a little too, uh, you know, disciplined. Uh, the corners were that there were times where Jalen Hurts would be back in the pocket for four, five, six seconds. What you're saying, you know, is that the pass rush not doing their job? Not really after you listen to Nick Bosa talk about it. He said that their job was to just kind of get that initial push, force Jalen Hurts to think about them rather than looking downfield and and force him to just try to maintain his focus despite the fact that the pocket was closing in and around him. And obviously one of their big focuses was focuses was to not open up any doors, whether it be uh, in the B gaps down the middle or out, out on the edges, they wanted Hertz to have to stay back there and throw the ball. And even if that meant kind of rolling to his right and rolling to the left, they didn't want to give him straight shots down the middle where he could just run four or five, six, seven yards a pop and keep the chains moving. And he didn't, he really didn't. Uh, let me look here. Jalen Hurts, as a runner, had seven carries for 20 yards. 2.9 yards a carry. Let's go back to the Eagles game against the Bills. In that game, Jalen Hurts had 14 carries for 65 yards, and that's 4.6 yards a pop. DeAndre Swift against the Bills had 14 carries for 80 yards. Against the 49ers, he had six carries for 13 yards. DeAndre Swift had six carries for 13 yards. Damn. 49ers did an absolutely outstanding job. They made the Eagles one-dimensional. The entire Eagles rushing offense on the ground had 18 carries for 46 yards at 2.6 yards per carry. Compare that to the 49ers who had 28 rushes for 146 yards, 5.2 yards a pop. And the only time the Eagles scored was when they had to do two consecutive quarterback sneaks to get into the end zone after all the Dre Greenlaw madness that put them there, which shouldn't have because there should have been a, a flag on the Eagles sideline. And anyways, secondary did just enough. They forced Jalen Hurts to sit back there and 
there were obviously, I mean, you don't, you don't put up 314 yards passing or through the air, I guess you could say. And the secondary be perfect, but they were doing enough to keep Jalen Hurts back there. They weren't allowing him to just get into that groove. And if they were going to have any success through on the offense, they had to have it through the air. And uh, and that was that was a good point for the 49ers. Their tackling still needs to be fixed. Defensive tackling. They gave up a third and nineteen to Devonta Smith, who is not a big dude. He's a very skinny guy. And at what really what happened was when they were going to tackle him, Jair Brown came up to make the tackle the exact same moment as Deshaun Gibson, and they basically collided with Devonta Smith in the middle, who just kept running and converted. Um, I would be willing to I would be willing to bet that the 49ers can't wait to run this back. Dre Greenlaw can't wait to run this back. Whether it's in Philadelphia or at Levi's Stadium, they can't wait. They know that that first game was not a representation of their their team. This is what they thought was going to be the case. Now, again, they're coming off an Eagles team that has just finished brutal games against the Chiefs and the Bills. Now they got the Niners, and next week they got the Cowboys. But I feel like the 49ers feel like this game is much more symbolic of what they felt was going to happen last time, and they probably have no problem running back. Now, again, you can still be a little frustrated with the 49ers that rattled off three straight losses in a row earlier in the season, and now they got to hope that the Cowboys beat the Eagles next week. If they do, the Eagles shoot up to the number one team in the NFC, and they would be in line. They would control their own destiny. Um, for a first round by going into the playoffs. And that is the goal from now. They're going to need a little help. We'll see if they get it. Uh, Jalen Hurts did leave the game briefly with a concussion, but he, with concussion symptoms, but he came back past his evaluation, which is good to hear. Um, but, you know, there there may be some uh, some fallout from that. We'll see. We'll see. Overall, I was, I was pretty damn impressed with what the 49ers, I think a lot of question marks got answered after basically a year of what ifs and shit talking. And, uh, the 49ers definitely seem like the better team, but this the odds are pretty good. This is not the uh this is not the last time these two teams are gonna play. So we'll see how that goes. Finally, last but not least, let's get into your takeaways, which I left after looking up other quotes. Let me find our takeaway time. There we go. Let me close all these other tabs. Because I know now that I don't need them, and the only priority is take away, take away, take away. Time, time, time. Um, okay. Let's go down to the bottom. We're gonna show more replies. We're gonna make sure we unmute the 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 tweets with cuss words that Twitter automatically mutes. Slash X. First one, Travis Jenkins. My takeaway is fuck the Eagles. Well said. Sui Generis. How's that feel? Dick Sirianni. <laughs> oh man, two two high two key takeaways to start the game. My takeaway is fuck the Eagles and how's that feel, Dick Sirianni? Kids, I'm sorry. This these are not my words. These are Travis and Suey. Okay, so don't get mad at me. Sorry, parents. Okay, Johan Sturson. God, I really dislike Nick Sirianni. If you want to, you should go back and. I mean, I'm not here to defend Nick Sirianni. He seems like a pretty unlikable dude, especially when he's on the sideline campaigning for Dre Greenlaw to get ejected after he got into a scuffle with your stupid security guard that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Anyways, uh, I watched his post-game press conference. You know, he seemed like okay, but I don't know, though. I don't know. I think he's a pretty disliked dude. 
Gotta really dislike Nick Sirianni. The more I watch him, the more I feel that he needs to be run over by a player going out of bounds. That's like the the, the kindest thing, kindest bad thing you could wish somebody. Like, I hope you step on a Lego tonight. Something like that. You know, I really hope that uh, he needs to be run over by a player going out of bounds. And otherwise, the team effort on both sides of the ball after the first quarter, man, they were so damn good. They were. They were. It really, in some ways, doesn't necessarily need to be more complicated than that. Both sides of the ball played their ass off. Santi. S-O-N-T-I-Y-I, Santi. At this point, it's about having the team healthy by the time the playoffs come. Then it's all ours to lose. I mean, that's everything, man. Nobody knows this more than the 49ers. If the 49ers can stay healthy, and and during that three-game losing streak, you know, in their defense, it was kind of, they didn't have Debo, they didn't have Trent, and we can see how much those two matter. But I still thought this this, this team was good enough to get it done. But like uh, Santi said, they can stay healthy. They've got a real, real chance. Cronesi, Cronesi, Cronesi. Touchdown on six straight possessions after that slow start, and then it's a timeless gif of Ric Flair with that blood in his hair going, woo! Sorry, hopefully that wasn't too loud. Um, If you want some pure entertainment, let me make sure that I'm getting this handle right. Um, But there is an Instagram account called Out of Context Ric Flair. And if you don't, if you're if you're not a big wrestling person, I know I'm a little far far away from the mic right now. If you're not a, a person that followed wrestling, if you're not a person that followed wrestling, you you wouldn't know that. And I think it's actually as a Twitter too. It looks like no context for Flair as a Twitter too. Twitter too is it active? Is it active? Yep, one hour ago. They Ric Flair just gave some of the most epic promos and epic speeches on on wrestling in wrestling and there's these accounts that just pair them to random things like random situations. I, I, I'm not going to play one during the middle of this, but it says uh, I can't hear what he's saying because it's muted, but it says when the 12 leg parlay hits this weekend and then it's Ric Flair saying something. So look up the accounts, no context, Ric Flair. It's hilarious. So that's for you, Cronessi. Hopefully you've seen him touchdown on six straight possessions. I don't know if the 49ers have ever done that under Kyle Shanahan. That was pretty damn impressive. Uh, Rodams Olsen trying to will the Eagles back to health via the booth. Um, I mean, was he, I, I, I didn't really, I know he was kind of being a little, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I don't know. You guys will have to tell me. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and watch the game to see if there were more Olsenisms that people were just not appreciating, appreciating Preston Fort has a, a gif of Batman punching, uh, punching a criminal and flying backwards. A good, uh, Good representation for today's game. Chris, okay, but on a serious note, we walked into Philly and played our absolute best. In fact, we felt so nice. We gave them a whole quarter head start. Happy holidays, Philly. That is, you know, that is in the end. And my buddy Bobby literally just texted me this as I'm recording the pod. He said, bro, the 49ers dropped 42 on the Eagles in three quarters. And he did. I do believe they deserve some credit for that. I do believe that they deserve, you know, that is something you should note. But at the same time, you know, the 49ers need to come out and, and and throw hands. You know, you can't just allow yourself to get punched in the chin two times and hoping they're not knockout punches, which they weren't because the defense is great. But you would like to see the quarter, the 49ers play four quarters rather than three. But that's it. I mean, that's a pretty minor complaint from a 42 to uh, to 19 win. It was, but it is crazy to look at it like that. I mean, putting up 42 points in three quarters and just scoring on six straight drives. That's a domination. We're just. Not really used to when it comes to uh, when it comes to the 49ers. Anthony Frost. That's a good name. 
Sounds like a character. The 49ers have the two most dominant wins of the season by far. When they are on, they are tough to stay close to. When they're on, nobody can beat the 49ers. Nobody. But, I mean, that also comes to, you know, can somebody do something to shut them off? Can a team play consistently like the Eagles were playing to start this game? You know, are there teams that have the answer on on how to stop the 49ers? I don't know. You know, we've seen it done this season. They're not undefeated, but when they are healthy and they are rolling, they make good teams look bad. It's like um, the longest yard. I mean, he's so fast. He makes fast people look not fast. El Jefe, am I dreaming? If I am, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. That, remember that song? Just an auto-tune madness. I hope you guys turn off all songs when you hear auto-tune. Unless it's T-Pain. T-Pain is the OG auto-tune. You can listen to him all you want on auto-tune, but God, I can't stand that shit. Uh, Jeffrey Beal, MVP, the secondary, laying in integrity out of the front seven, put a lot of pressure to cover three to six seconds. Yes, they did. We talked about it. Yes, they did. Made Hurts beat us with his arm. Ambry was huge. Ambry was huge. Charverius was huge. Um, I know that uh, Jaguar Brown uh, missed missed the tackle that kind of keyed A.J. Brown, one of his big games. But, I mean, he's still out there, and he's not necessarily getting exposed like a rookie. You would think he would, so that's a good sign for the 49ers third-round pick. Um, but I agree with you. Um, the fact – the way you can tell the way the defensive front rushed made Jalen Hurts sit back there and make – quarterback decisions or risk getting sacked brandon fox purdy equals poise could have easily crumbled after the first quarter and we're going to do it again and see them in the playoffs yeah there was there's a series in there there's a series in there where it was the third possession the 49ers have already had the three two two three and outs for negative six yards i'll go to the playlist and purdy just made a couple of throws let me just get past the Field goals here. I'm trying to find them. Okay, there's Jalen Hurts scrambles left, four yards. Then they punted. Okay. And it was two plays. You started out, again, you thought the third drive was going to be exactly the same as the second drive. You started out with a Christian McCaffrey run for no gain. Then you had a Spencer Burr for penalty for five yards. You're looking at 715. Purdy follows that up with a second down completion to Brandon Ayuk for 12 yards. And then he follows that up with a short pass to Kittle right at the sticks. Move the chains. And that was the first time the 49ers had moved the chains. And then they just started getting hot. Then you had a pass to Ayuk for nine more yards, where Ayuk kind of charged upfield after he made got some yards after the catch. No gain for Christian McCaffrey. Then you're hitting Debo. Okay. And then McCaffrey's going 11 yards. Then you're hitting uh, Kittle on that little dump out delayed release to the flat. That's 32 yards. The Purdy scrambles for six yards, and then you know, then it starts rolling. Then it starts moving, and then he makes that scramble touchdown where he, he well, it wasn't it was a rollout um, touchdown pass to Ayuk, who it looked like caught that. By the way, I mean, if when you see the angle where you're behind him by his feet, it looked like his hand was under the ball the entire time. Um, and and from then they never looked back. So it was really in that initial third down or second and third down where he hit Ayuk for twelve, and then he hit. Kittle for three, and it just got the ball rolling. And really, it never stopped. It, it never stopped after that. Where am I at? Where am I at? Okay, got it. Um, UConn Husky. Now let's go down versus Seattle. Now, now no letdown versus Seattle and go Cowboys. Yeah, 49ers fans, you are now Cowboys fans next week. I know it hurts to say, but the, the team greatly needs them to beat the Eagles and put them in the driver's seat for the number one seed. 
Uh, Sograz, effing statement. Lots of love for that defense for holding through the first quarter storm. 6-0 and is a lot different than 14-0 while the offense got sorted. Brock, I look like a guy who still regularly puts together Lego sets. Purdy needs legit MVP love. He's a machine. Debo backed it up. What does somebody that looks like they still regularly put together sets, Lego sets, looks like? They just look like Purdy? I mean, Lego sets are fucking cool. And I just saw a, a commercial for adult Lego sets. Like, that looks like a money pit right there. I'm glad I'm having a, a baby here in, like, less than a month because I would just start throwing money at adult Lego sets. I mean, all Lego sets are adult Lego sets if you buy one with enough pieces, right? I made a, uh, I made a uh, Millennium Falcon not too long ago. I was in El Paso in the military, though, so I didn't even bother bringing it home. I was like, this is just going to become a pile of pieces. I put it together. I've seen it. I've done it. Let's let's let it move on. And I think I gave it to a buddy of mine. So, yeah, I mean, Purdy does. Purdy looks like he would put together Lego sets like in between drives. He just looks sometimes so unimpressed with what defenses are doing. And he looks kind of bored at times. So, yeah, I, I buy the I buy the Lego sets. Bam Bam wins. Uh, dropped a good solid meme. It's the Predator, Dutch, and Dylan. No, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan and Dutch handshake. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys getting 42 dropped on them by the Niners. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. Where the hands come together. Uh, Chris wall Niners are unstoppable with Kyle's calling the right place. You don't say Kyle should call the right place all the time. Greenlaw needs to control himself regardless of outside factors that I agree with. And you heard, you just heard me rant about it. There were a lot of outside factors that made that whole situation bullshit, but Greenlaw still, in the end, needs to control himself. Realize you're a part of a machine, a machine that won't work as well when you're not a part of it. So I, I agree with that. CMC equals MVP. I think that it, I do like the idea of, of giving a, a running back that just, you know, they, they, the position is so difficult to play. And McCaffrey does it at such a high level um, that I, I do believe that it would be cool to finally just give a different position the MVP. Because I will say this. If the 49ers didn't have CMC, how good they would they be anyways? We know how good they'd be without Brock Purdy. It's horrible. But maybe they would be nearly as bad without Christian McCaffrey. I feel like I'm kidding myself there. I think they'd be a lot worse without Purdy. But I, I still would love to see CMC just get the ultimate little hat tip there. And I think a lot of NFL players would, would agree. Um, Nick Bosa continues to get held to infinity, to infinity and beyond. Yeah, Bosa gets held all the time. I don't know why they don't call it, to be honest. I don't know. Refs kept it as close as it was. 49ers are the most complete team. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, they just can't sputter anymore. No more losses that should be wins. And wins could become losses, the witching hour. Anyways, Jason Picciani? P-I-C-C-I-O-N-I. What am I supposed to say there, chat? Picciani? Picciani? Man, I'm sorry if I messed that up, Jason. Didn't a Jets coach once get suspended for tripping a player on the sideline during a game? Yes. What's the case for the that security guard to keep his job? Correct. Uh, don't know why he's there. Don't know why he's on the sideline. Don't know why he's on the field. I don't know. It's weird. Matt Lee. Celebration time. Come on. Vic, next victory. Dr. Disrespect. Part of his introduction. The next snipe is going to be a 360 minimum. The next victory. Celebration time. What a win, Rob. Such a statement game with 49ers finishing drives and defense holding strong. Can't wait to see this rematch in January. Bring on the toots. 
Yeah, it would be nice if that rematch was in Levi Stadium. Clay writes, I have so many receipts to cash in. Hey, cash them in, man. Cash them in. You don't get to do it that often. Darren said, secondary had a great game. Hurts often had a lot of time to throw, but couldn't find anyone. I agree. And Purdy, and if, and now, and then when you hear about how the defense was planning their rush attack, it made sense. Purdy didn't panic after opening drives. Once the O started rolling, they couldn't be stopped. Absolutely. Ant Share, Ant Char, A N T S H A R. I guess it's definitely not Ant Share. That's weird. Real statement from the Niners: a blowout, even with the offense giving the Eagles a quarter uh, head start. Debo's showing up, big game credentials once again. Purdy overcoming the tricky first quarter. Shout out to Big Dom for firing up the Niners even more. I and that's like I said, I thought that that was going to work the other way. I thought that that was going to fire the Eagles up, but in reality, it seemed like the Niners were like, "Nah, f this." Mike McVay, the first two drives with the offense, the third and nineteen conversion by the second quarterback, and the poor tackling were insidious. But then none of it mattered as Kyle's chess game to the have the ball to start the second half all paid off. Sucks about Greenlaw. But how about that physicality of Lenore? Go Niners. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. Tackling was poor. There were just too many examples of that. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, once the offense got rolling, there was just really no way the Eagles were going to be able to keep pace. It really was kind of a sight to see. Um, and, you know, that's a moment for Greenlaw to, to learn. He'll learn from it. He'll move on. Um, I think I just think there's a lot of stuff outside of his control that should have been fixed long before you got rid of Greenlaw. Jeffrey K. Lyles at Lyles Movie Files. This feels like the most satisfying regular season win since beating the Cowboys in the 94 se- season. Debo shows why we need to work out the finances to keep him and B.A. You know, I thought the same thing during the game because you guys have heard me say it multiple times. If To me, if you're going to have to get to get rid of one of them, I would get rid of Debo Samuel. And after that game, it sounds like absolute madness. Like one of you guys should come crashing through the window right now and punch me in the side of the face, knocking my doctor disrespect headset onto the ground. It's after that game, like you just like, it's just like they have to figure out a way to keep them all. I don't, I don't know if that's, that might be physically impossible, but. The way the offense works now, I guess it becomes impossible when you have to pay Purdy. But the way the offense is working right now, night and now, light, if I could speak English, would be incredible. But the way the offense is working right now, it's just tough to see them dismissing any of them because they all hold their their place. They all are, you know, essential is what it seems like. Last but certainly not least, we've got two fresh. What a dominant win despite two forgettable drives to start the game. The entire team stepped up with all that trash talk. Now, go cry River Sirianni, you nerd. Hashtag striking gold fam and random. But Carlos Ramirez is still awful in the NBC 49ers pre and post game. I, You do not like Carlos, and and we need to get you two in a room and hash it out. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I have that pull. Uh, I think me and Carlos follow each other on, on, on this here ex-Twitter thing. But... I mean, I, I remember you saying that first, and the fact that it's still coming up is is hilarious to me. But that's fine. That's fine. They aren't my feelings. Get over it, Carlos, you nerd. I'm just kidding. I, I'm just only saying that because he said that. Siri, Sirianni is a little weird. He's a little weird. You know, it was, and he's got a gif of, of Sirianni's waterworks during the uh, national anthem, which is weird too. I mean, I'm prior service, and I don't like cry my eyes out during the national anthem. But maybe he's thinking about some other things, man. Maybe he's got family member that was in the military. Maybe he lost family members in the military. Maybe there's some memory about national anthems at football games. I don't know. I'm getting way too sentimental about a coach that chooses to be a little weird all the time. Um, all right. Let me, let me double check. Let me make sure that's the end of the takeaways and make sure 
not letting anybody squeak in. Let me go up and down. Let me check. Just trying to see if, if anybody else threw something in there. We're just trying to include them in the striking gold fam, right? Uh, I forgot Chris's something about Max Verstappen. Do, 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 Max Verstappen. Is that that Max Verstappen song? Oh, man. Max Verstappen. I think I retweeted it. The most dominant Formula One season of all time. It was really quite impressive, all the statistics that they they had. Uh, Max Verstappen broke record. Every record Max Verstappen broke in 2023. Highest percentage of wins in a season. Most wins in a season. Most points in a season. Most consecutive wins. Most podiums in a season. Most laps led in a season. Highest percentage of lap led in a season. Most consecutive wins for pole. Most wins from pole. Biggest points gap between first and second. Most consecutive races as championship leader. Most consecutive points scored. Most consecutive top two finishes. Most hat tricks in a season. Most pit stops by the winning driver in one race. That's random. Only driver to win three times in one country. Only driver to lead 1,000 laps ever. 19 wins, 21 podiums, the most dominant season in Formula One's history. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how many Formula One fans we got out there, but of course, Red Bull got it right with the car, but you have to just appreciate the absolute perfection that was Max Verstappen this season. Um, all right. I think that's it. I hope you guys enjoy this 49ers win. You know, it's the holiday season. Uh, they got to close it out now. Uh, again, they, if, if they get a gift from the Cowboys, which, you know, again, it's the Mike McCarthy led Cowboys. There's a good chance that, that, that they will not, but it's still, uh, the 49ers are putting themselves in position to crawl out of that three game losing streak hole. Uh, next week they host the Seattle Seahawks, uh, at Levi's stadium at 1.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Then the following week, it's a away game against the Cardinals, who have Kyler Murray back. Could be competitive, could be not. I, I, mean, I think they got – no, they won today, right, against the uh, the Steelers. And then they've got a home game on Christmas Day at 5.15 p.m. against the Baltimore Ravens. That's the one to circle right there. If the 49ers can turn these into wins and get past that one right there, maybe something else has gone their way and they can find the uh, the number one seed. Then they have an away game against the Washington Commanders. Sneaky game right there. Sneaky game right there. And last but certainly not least, they face the Los Angeles Rams at Levi Stadium. Um, right? They don't. They just don't have a date. Uh, a date for it. Um, and the Rams. I think the Rams just trounced the uh, the Browns pretty well. The Rams are no joke. That's uh, another game to circle right there. They're all games to circle at this point. We're uh, we're talking about the number one seed. All right. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to striking gold. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Uh, it's been one hell of a ride. I think we're at episode like 326. Um, and we're, we're rolling. We're rolling. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for participating in takeaway time. Every single person that replied to there, including the regulars that we're used to hearing from every single week. I appreciate you guys more than I think you realize. Thank you for being such a cool part of this podcast. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you very much. Don't forget to go to prizepicks.com slash gold. Prizepicks.com slash gold and use promo code gold and uh, they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. All right, everybody. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold and we are signing out. <laughs>